Welcome to another episode of our podcast, Let's Talk Tri-Delta. Thanks for joining us. I'm Karen White, Tri-Delta CEO and Editor-in-Chief of the Trident Magazine. The events of the last few months have caused Tri-Delta as an organization to stop, listen, and learn about the systemic racism in our society and within our organization. We've had profound conversations and created action on ways Tri-Delta must work to dismantle racism and create education tools resources and activities to combat it in all of its forms. Today's podcast is going to continue our Lead Now conversations about racism. At our recent Tri-Delta convention, delegates took important steps to begin our work to ensure an inclusive and equitable membership experience for all of Tri-Delta's members, especially our Black, Indigenous, and Sisters of Color. Our sisters who recently attended the Lead Online and Focus 2020 events our first ever virtual convention, engaged in these dialogues, and we're pleased to continue more of these in our podcast. Today, our incoming fraternity president, Megan Shaw-James, is joined by Tri-Delta alumna, actress, and Broadway star, Vicki Young. As an alumna of our Alpha Theta chapter at the University of Pittsburgh, Vicki was our Trident cover girl in the summer of 2019. And she closed out our convention experience this year with a beautiful rendition of Alpha Theta Phi. Vicky has been very supportive of Tri-Delta's initiatives on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and is eager to be a part of the conversation and our movement. I'm so excited for you to hear this discussion between two remarkable Tri-Delta sisters. Let's take a listen. Zakia, thank you for joining me for a conversation about Tri-Delta and especially our efforts in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Before we talk about your Tri-Delta experience and lead now, I'd love to talk a little bit more about you and your career. We are so fortunate to have you and someone of your amazing talent in our sisterhood. Will you speak just a little bit about your experience on Broadway and in the theater community thus far? Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I kind of came in through the side door. When I went to college, it was for pre-med. I was going to be a pediatrician, uh, but I grew up singing and dancing. And I just realized after a few semesters, I was not passionate about medicine. But I had been bitten by the acting bug in high school. And I just was like, all right. I called my parents sobbing. And I was like, I don't want to be a doctor anymore. <laughs> And they were like, okay, well, you know, we're going to compromise. You need to get a degree in something else other than performing. We will keep paying for your private lessons and we'll see what happens, right? I think they kind of thought it would be a phase. So every summer I would sing at amusement parks. I sang at Kings Island for a few years. And then my senior year, I remember everyone was applying to grad school and I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Like I'm studying communications. I don't know the next step. And I remember that someone had said, oh, if you audition for Pittsburgh Civic Light Opera, you can get your equity card. I didn't know what an equity card was. And it was 2001. So the internet was not like a big thing yet. So I remember I got the audition information, went down, auditioned, left, and then I got called back for a dance call. So, you know, I put on some letters and some cheerleading shorts and went and danced among all of these like dancer dancers. And I got the job. And that was a three month tour with Cheetah Rivera. Uh, on that tour, one of the women needed a subletter for her apartment in the West Village. So we connected, I used all of my money. 
introduced her to my parents and I said, hey, she needs a subletter for her apartment. She is a grown, responsible woman who lives in a safe area. I want to watch over her place. So that's kind of how I slid into New York. 9-11 happened. Everything shut down. So I used my pre-med experience to work at a pharma company for a while just to make some money. And then I just had to audition. You know, it really just was churning in my spirit. Like, you did not move to New York to work in pharma. What are you doing? (laughs) So I auditioned for a while, did some small things, got tired of it, took another break, and then got pulled back. And I went to an open call for The Little Mermaid. I thought that was safe because they had been doing workshops for a while. And I thought, it's already cast. This will just help me practice. I didn't have an agent. And I auditioned for the assistant to the associate casting director. Didn't pay any attention to it. Like a month or so later, I get a phone call asking me to come back. And I was like, are you serious? And then I just kept getting called back and called back. And I booked my first Broadway show through an open call. And it was Hilarious, because I auditioned in like a turtleneck and a wool skirt and penny loafers. (laughs) And I wore that every time. And when we had the dance call, again, with the sorority letters and the cheerleading shorts, because that's what I worked out in. (laughs) Yeah, I made my Broadway debut as part of the Disney family. And it was it was incredible because, you know, they had such a diverse cast, which we were not expecting. And it was just beautiful to have my parents come to opening night and see like, okay, I can make a living doing this. And I was able to do a cast recording. And then I started getting called in for leading roles. So I, when Mermaid closed, then I played Lois Lane in uh, It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman at the Dallas Theater Center. And that put me on the radar radar for some bigger things. Then I got called in for a Broadway play and I was like, I'm not gonna get this. I don't even have a theater degree. But I read the script and I was like, oh, I actually know these girls. Cool. Went in, again, forgot about it. Later that afternoon, I'm in Times Square. My phone rings. It's my agent and he told me I, I booked my first play. And I was like, are, are you serious <laughs> right now? <laughs> so um, I went to a diner to meet one of my friends and we toasted with a glass of diner wine. <laughs> and we were just so excited because it was like just all of these things that I had never really imagined being able to do. And once I was in that cast, that introduced me to Black Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I was working with Dulé Hill, Mackay Pfeiffer, Tracy Toms, Ruben Santiago Hudson, and I'm seeing their friends come backstage and I'm just drinking it in because I was a standby. So yeah, that opened up this whole door to plays, which then got me into TV and film. And that led me to LA. And now it's like, I'm doing theater, I'm doing on camera, I'm doing voiceover. It's an abundance of blessings and I'm very grateful. I love hearing that and just being able to be flexible and to have the courage and I think to have that confidence in yourself that maybe you don't know what the next step is going to be, but you're going to keep doing it and you're going to make those connections and not be afraid to do that. And so I've loved hearing about your journey from New York all the way to LA and just that excitement to know that there's so many more things out there for you. So that's wonderful. Thank you. I know one thing that recently you've been involved with, with the Broadway community has been really embracing dialogue um, and action around diversity and inclusion. Um, recently participated in a wonderful Instagram takeover with Tony Award winner, Kelly O'Hara. Tell us about that that experience? That came up out of nowhere, to be honest, because I, when everything started happening, 
I was exhausted. And coming from the suburbs as a black person, you spend a lot of your life explaining things to the white people around you that they don't understand. Right. So at first I was like, I'm not going to say anything. And then I felt such sadness in my heart over the responses I was seeing or the lack of responses I was seeing that I put out this video and it went viral in the first day on Facebook. And I thought, oh snap. Okay. So then I started sharing more about my experiences as a black woman and I started tailoring it to Broadway. So a friend of mine from the Broadway community was putting together a pass the mic initiative modeled after the one that happened on Instagram with influencers and designers. And uh, she called me, we talked, paired me up with Kelly. Kelly and I had a conversation. We don't know each other, but we have a lot in common and just a desire to have real conversations about race. And because her uh, fan base is largely Midwestern, a lot of conservative people, she gave me full reign to just share whatever was on my heart. So I had four interviews with four different people of color from the Broadway community and the film community. And we talked about various things. And it then Kelly and I had a follow-up wrap-up conversation. And it was very emotional. It was very cathartic. But I felt like because I have this unique perspective of being able to code switch and navigate different environments almost seamlessly, I was like, you know what, I can't, I can't sit back on this. I have to use my voice. And since I have this opportunity, let's do it. Absolutely. That's wonderful. And I just think it's amazing that you know, but your self-care of knowing when it was difficult for you to do that and taking care of yourself, your health, your mental health, but then also knowing when it was the time when you felt like you were able to do that and to share that, share that experience, share that knowledge. So I think that's just a wonderful way and a wonderful platform that you were able to, to use it to reach a different audience and a different set of people. I love at this time, can we just talk a little bit about your Tri-Delta experience? I know you've stayed connected with your sisters. You've been involved with Tri-Delta and it is just something that we would just love to hear about your journey. Um, So I think if I'm correct, you first were introduced to our sisterhood because of your experience on Pitt's dance team. Is that correct? Yes. So um, I come from a long line of Black Greeks. Now, what some people don't know is that there are Black Greek organizations, largely because Black people were not allowed to join the white Greek organizations. So there is a very strong, historically Black Greek family. And I grew up as a part of it because my mom is in a sorority, my uncle, it goes deep. So I always was raised, okay, well, if you don't do undergrad, you're going to do grad chapter. All right. So fast forward to me being on the dance team. And I noticed that during Rush, well, first, Jacqueline Palmquist, uh, who goes by Jax now, she lives in LA too. We're still in touch. She was so nice to me on dance team. And I had a rough time. So I was like, this girl's really nice. And I knew she was a tri-delta. And I noticed during Rush that people would hand a Rush flyer to my white roommate, but they wouldn't hand one to me. And I said to her one day at practice, I said, why aren't they giving me one? Like, I might want to rush. They don't know. And I feel like they're judging me or discriminating against me. And she said, you know what? That's wrong. So she went to her chapter president who took it to the panhel president and they made a change. And they said, hand it out to any girl you see because you never know. And I was so 
impressed that Jax took action immediately that I was like, oh, maybe I've, maybe I've judged these girls in the wrong way. Maybe I should like, you know, check them out. So, um, during spring rush, I, I went through rush and it was, it was a big decision because I was basically going against my family, my mom and my sister, my aunts, my uncles. And I actually lost one of my best friends because of it, a childhood best friend. Cause she said, anybody, but Tri Delta, they're so white. And I was like, but they're really cool. Like these are the leaders on campus. I want to be a part of them. So, uh, yeah. So I, was invited to, I was given a bid and I went through, um, my new member period. And, uh, it, it was a very interesting experience at Pitt. Pitt is, is the type of campus where you can either choose to be involved in Greek life or not. You can have friends in and out of the Greek system, but there wasn't a lot of crossover with the black fraternities and sororities and the white fraternities and sororities. So there was like me, there was a black member of Tri Sigma and there was a black guy who was an SAE and a black guy who was a Delt. And I think that's it for my four years there. So it, it, it could be lonely at times. There were definitely times where my sisters would ask me questions that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you did not ask anybody else that question because it's horribly offensive. Here's why. And because I know you and I love you, <laughs> I'm going to break it down for you. <laughs> but there were definitely times where uh, I did feel lonely. I didn't see a lot of faces that looked like me in the trident. As I said in one of my videos, you know, when everyone would go tanning, I'd be like, I'll just, I'll, I'll stay here, y'all. I'll just watch over the suite. I'm amazing. But also something you and I talked about is that I don't, because a lot of the women had never experienced racism or if they had, it, it had never affected someone close to them. They didn't have the vocabulary to help me. And I didn't have the vocabulary at that time to say, hey, I need help. Because if you think about it, for a Black person to join a predominantly white organization, we're very good at not calling attention to the fact that we are Black. I'm just going to make a blanket statement like that, you know, because it's, it, I think it's, it's one of those things about growing up in the suburbs, you know, you just learn how to get in where you fit in. So there would be things that I was struggling with as a Black person that I was like, I don't think I can really talk to any of the girls about it. You know, eventually I could talk to my little about it. She and I are still very close, uh, my little Megan. But across the board, you know, things like uh, when fraternity guys would say racial slurs or say something just very offensive, nobody would really understand why it was so upsetting and nobody really would have my back. So I always felt like there are certain things you just don't want to bring up. And those were the times where I felt like this sisterhood was not what I was hoping for. And I think that's why I got so emotional seeing how Tri-Delta has responded to uh, what's going on, because this was that piece that I never felt I had, but I also didn't know that I needed <laughs> until much later. 
Absolutely. I just appreciate your honesty in sharing that with us because um, I just imagine that was a painful experience to be surrounded by women who you loved and you felt that sisterhood there and to have someone like Jax who did speak up when she saw that and what an influence she had, not just in your life, but within the chapter and within Panhellenic to make that difference. And so to have that experience, but then at the same time, like you were saying, um, when there was those issues of racism and words that were used. And sometimes I think people just pause, like you said, they're almost caught off. I don't know what to say. And then they don't say anything at all. Um, and that's yeah. Hurts. It really does. Um, I know we've talked a little bit about um, as Tridelta, you know, what is our response? And we've talked a lot about bystander effect with racism, with hazing, with other things. And it's something that we, I think we both agree how passionate we are to provide our members with those tools um, so that they know how to respond and what to do. It's something, it's so important to me. It's not just our collegians. It's something that we have to do in all aspects of the fraternity. So from new member to board level, um, from our collegiate members, but also our alumni members. I think that's one of the things we talk about. Tri-Delta is not just for college years. It's for a lifetime. And that's one thing I know I'm really excited about. We just debuted um, our leader.org. It's Tri-Delta's online leading platform. And so I know we're going to talk about all these efforts these tools. Some of that we've done virtually. Some will be face-to-face, hopefully, once we can all be in person together. But to have that tool online tool where people can learn at their own pace and their own comfort, I think that's just going to be a huge thing that organization can do for all of our members. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned that about Trade also being a lifetime membership, because that's something in Black Greek organizations, it's like you'll see people in their 70s and 80s still proudly rocking their letters. So when I walk around in my tried out to letters, I get people that say, uh, that was just in college. I'm like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a life loyal. Like this is, it's, it's in me now. And, and I do think that, especially since our alumni span several decades, right. mm-hmm. there could be things that they don't even realize that they may have believed or may have said that were offensive. And I would love to um, have that be healed because I remember like there were certain alumni events I would go to as an undergrad and I'd be like, nobody's talking to me. All right. I'm going to just sit at the table. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just that, that awkwardness. And I said in one of the chats that I, one of the reasons I never applied for anything on the national level, like I, really wanted to be um, one of the women who gets to go visit all of the collegiate chapters. But I was afraid. Mm -hmm. I was afraid that if I went to a Southern school, that I wouldn't be accepted and that I wouldn't be protected. And I didn't feel like I could depend on the collegiate members to understand that, especially if they were a predominantly white house. So I really love that this is something we're discussing. And I love seeing that there have been black sisters who did move into those positions. So I applaud those women because you did what I did not have the courage to do. Well, and I think Zakia, you made a difference in so many ways. Um, And I just am so fortunate. One of the things we talk about with Tridelta, one of her virtues is truth. And when I think about you, I think about how you speak truth and you do it from a place of strength. You do it from a place of sincerity of power, 
But it is from genuine love. Um, and I think, again, these are the things we learn from Tri-Delta. And when I look at you and we have these conversations, you embody Tri-Delta and our virtues perfectly. And I'm just so honored to call you a sister. And you've done things, you're doing things. And I know together we're going to continue to make a difference, not just within Tri-Delta, but within society and the world, truly. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for your openness to having the dialogue. After we finished our first conversation, I called my little and I said, Meg, oh my gosh, our new chapter president, our new like sorority president is so cool. And we had this real conversation about real things. And I never thought I'd see the day. <laughs> well, that's what, you know, we talked about this. I think one of the things about Tridelta that's so beautiful, and you just alluded to this, was that that intergeneration, that we had the opportunity of an organization where women from 18 to 100 can talk to each other, can have honest dialogue. We may not always agree on things, but to know where people are coming from. I just think that is an amazing, Amazing opportunity that we have as women as and as with Tri-Delta. And I'm fortunate that we've been able to engage in different ways, especially now with COVID-19. You know, so often things used to have to be person to person. But now what can we do with technology and our different platforms? It's not just about people you're in the chapter with. That is important, that proximity, but truly we are reaching across the country and around the globe as well. Absolutely. And I think that um, this will continue to open the minds of our sisters around the world. I love seeing more faces of color in the Trident. I want to give kudos to whoever started changing that because I used to look for myself. I used to wonder, am I the only black Trident? And when I started seeing brown faces, I thought, oh my gosh, because there was one Trident four years before me in my chapter. Um, she was very, very fair skinned. And I just remember thinking like, okay, well, am I, am I the only one? And when I would go to different cities where I was doing a play, I would try and find the Tri-Delta house and go say hello. Syracuse opened their doors to me. They took me around for like a whole weekend. University of Cincinnati. I didn't get into the SMU house, but I drove by it because they were closed for the summer. But, you know, I, I do love that anytime I knocked on the door, I was welcomed, even though I was like, oh gosh, I hope, I hope they'll believe me. Like when I was in Dallas wearing my Tri-Delta hat, I got a couple of double takes and I would just kind of chuckle to myself like, yeah, that's right. Tri-Delta. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to say a blanket thank you to all of the sisters who welcomed me and didn't know anything about me other than I was a Tri-Delta from Pitt. And that's that Delta connection that we want all of our members to have. It doesn't matter where you're from, the backgrounds, that together we're Tri-Deltas. And how can we connect with one another? How can we learn from each other? And how can we just appreciate our true sisterhood? Absolutely. Well, um, just talk a little bit now about our Lead Now action plan. I know you made a little reference to that. And for our organization, we know it is our responsibility to create a more inclusive and equitable member experience for Tri-Deltas at all levels of the organization. So just love to hear a little bit from you, kind of what your thoughts or reactions were when you first read the Lead Now Action Plan. I started crying, I'm gonna be honest, because I, and I wore my waterproof mascara today in case I cry again. I had seen such a, um, well, the fact that Tri-Delta came out, not only with condemning racism, but with a plan before, some of my favorite Broadway shows that have diverse casts did. Like you came out 
with a statement before Hamilton. And I have several friends in Hamilton. I love the show. And I thought, wow, okay. This, so first of all, I was, I was very happy and I was touched because again, I never felt seen as a black woman. I always felt like that was something that I had to hide. And a lot of times when there are um, acts of racism, when we are in predominantly white spaces, we just keep it to ourselves and we just wait to talk to other black people about it. So I felt that when I read through the plan and the fact that I love the language you used, I love that there were actual plans in place. And I love that it was about more than just condemning this act. Tridelta was saying, no, we are going to make a change. This is not right. And we are going to lead the way. And that's so different from all of these other, you know, Black Lives Matter, racism is wrong. Yeah, we know that. But what are you going to do about it? So I loved reading the action steps. I loved seeing that you were actively seeking out Black voices. Um, I think that's the night that I, I read it and I saw an email address at the end and I was like, I want to be a part of this <laughs> because I just felt so moved. This is the action plan that I read is one of the reasons why I wanted to be part of Tri-Delta mm-hmm. because you are women. We are women who take action. We're not just going to sit there and wonder or, or just say, oh my gosh, that's such a shame. We're going to say, no, this is wrong. And how are we going to change it? So I applaud everyone involved in putting that plan together and everyone who has stepped up to donate their time and their resources and their voices to make these changes. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that perspective. And I think it's something we've talked about kind of these listening sessions and hearing those voices, but to me, it's just very important that we're saying these are listening sessions. They're not hearing sessions. So there's a big difference. So with hearing, it requires, does not require anything that's a conscious effort. You're hearing the sounds, whereas listening is an active process and your brain has to understand what was heard and then your body then responds us to action. And so I think that's just been a huge part of that difference is we can hear all day long, but are we making that active choice to listen? And then is that inspiring us to take the action? Um, and I know just streaming some of these conversations from people's different perspectives, it's just been so important. So our voices are amplified and that all those perspectives can be shared broadly with our entire membership. Absolutely. And I think that's, you hit on something that's so important. Uh, Just because it wasn't your experience doesn't mean that someone else didn't have that experience. So allowing, I don't speak for all Black Tri-Deltas. I just speak for myself. But my experience is just as real as another Black sister who maybe had a different experience. You know what I mean? But just allowing me to share without diminishing my experience, without saying, oh, I think maybe you were, like none of my uh, fellow undergrads said anything but supportive words to me when I started sharing. They were just saying, I didn't know this happened. Mm -hmm. Versus, you know, sometimes you'll get people that say, oh, you were just being a little too sensitive. I never saw racism on Pitt's campus. I never got any of that. And my hope is that Tridelsas will continue to receive this information in the spirit it's given. And uh, even when I was engaging in some of the chats during leave, I had nothing but support from sisters I've never even met. Mm -hmm. So it, it was just very encouraging. I felt very seen and heard. 
That's great. I know that's something that we've talked about, that connection and how important it is to have affinity groups for our Black, Indigenous, and sisters of color, just to be able to have that opportunity. And so I, I know that's in our action plan, and that's going to be something beginning through social media and connect DDD. But we even saw that, like you said, in LEAD now and with um, our Focus 2020, our first virtual convention, that chat, just being able to have those conversations was just wonderful. And you did an amazing job closing our convention with that beautiful rendition of Alpha Theta Phi. I mean, just my heart hearing it and hearing your voice. Just what a wonderful match. And we thank you just for sharing that gift with the sisterhood. But I just would love to hear a little bit, what were your biggest takeaways from Focus 2020 from convention? You know, I think it, it well, thank you, first of all, uh, for inviting me to be part of it. To be, I'm going to be very, very blunt. I Before... I was invited to sing Alpha Theta Phi and before I was invited to attend convention, I had actually said to a a friend of mine who was a black Greek, I was like, I think I regret not joining a black Greek organization because I just don't feel like, you know, I was like, I feel like I have some sisters, but I, I just don't feel like I had that experience. And from what I experienced at lead, Ah, oh, here we go. <laughs> at, at lead and uh, at convention, I, I felt that sisterhood. And I think part of it was because I was finally being truly honest, but also that my truth was received with open arms. And it just reminded me of what an amazing organization this is. And it gave me hope for the future because I was pretty, <laughs> I was in a pretty dark space with current events. And uh, just feeling misunderstood and to see not only alumni hearing and understanding, but to see the next generation. Oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. we're we're in such a great position. And I and, and hearing these conversations uh, like with our first black tri delta, my goodness, that the fact that, that because I remembered reading it in an issue of the Trident. And to be able to sit and watch the interview and that apology, I mean, I'm getting choked up, but that wasn't that long ago. Mm. It really wasn't that long ago. And to have an organization acknowledge, you know what, we were wrong. And if you didn't get an apology from them, I'm going to apologize and let you know that it will not be tolerated and that it should never have happened. And to hear about that type of sisterhood where her sisters basically sacrificed a year of normal life as a tri-delta because they saw that their sister that they wanted to join them was being treated unfairly. I just, um, I'm, I'm inspired again and I'm filled with more pride than ever to be a tri-delta. That's what I got from <laughs> lead and convention. Well, again, I just, I have to agree with you just hearing all the members, um, our collegians, our alumni from all different walks of life, being able to share their thoughts, honestly, but those collegiate members, um, it really is, keeps us going. We know the future of Tri-Delta is so bright because of those women have the confidence to speak up for what is right and to be passionate about that. And it's something I just feel very fortunate to be um, on the executive board and to leading the fraternity because of those women, because of all of our members, but to know that they are going to say what happened in the past wasn't right. We're going to acknowledge it. 
we are going to apologize for it and we are going to move forward and we are going to take action. Um, and so I know I walked away feeling renewed, encouraged, inspired, um, truly after that experience. And can I just say, I love, it, it's almost like a mixed blessing that it's online because I feel like more people were able to see how the executive board interacts. Mm-hmm. Like executive office always seems so far away, but the fact that the outgoing president and you are so visible and accessible. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that helps keep us motivated to fight the good fight. And especially with the collegians to, to think, oh, you know what? Actually, maybe I will volunteer mm-hmm. because these women are, I, I feel like you might get some new volunteers as a result of all of this being online. Well, I would love, love that because it is important because I think it's, we need to know our women that in every stage and every phase of life, there is a place for you in Tri-Delta. Sometimes it may be a full volunteer role. Sometimes it may be just writing an email. Sometimes it may be connecting with a cleat chapter who may be across the country. Sometimes it's the right time to say, this is not the right time for me and my family, but I know Tri-Delta is going to be there in the future and Tri-Delta will be there in the future. And so I love that you were able to say that. And that's something that we did the week also before convention is we had a national chapter meeting for the first time. And so we invited our officers to come on with three of our executive board members. We talked about what was going on, but then we had the chat function. We had the email. We said, we want to hear from you. What is happening in your campus and how can we work on this together? And I think that's just going to be something that we will do moving forward. Um, And we are excited about having that, that communication and that connection with our women. I love that. Oh, I love that. That gets me excited because, you know, it's like you can feel so isolated Mm -hmm. and just knowing that the undergrad chapters can now connect and uh, you and I were talking about being VPCD. Uh, <laughs> that's a very lonely position sometimes. <laughs> and it would have been beautiful to connect with other people in that position to say like, Hey, um, you know, of course not giving out any intimate details of whatever needs to be in standards, but just general sharing about like, have you experienced this? How have you dealt with this? Just knowing that you're not alone. I love how visible and how tech savvy Tridelta is. My goodness. I love it. I love it. I know that was a great experience. I was talking about, you know, two alumni who as sophomores had a very large position officer and it can be isolating, but I hope that is something that would encourage our collegiate women because so many of our women are taking on those big positions as sophomores early on and yeah. to know that there are women who did that and we have the confidence in you to have those positions and to do that work and what they will gain from it as well um, after they say yes and they're willing to learn from that experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, my, my little still teases me because I had to call her into standards once, <laughs> but I do, I remember feeling so honored that the chapter had slated me for the position, but also weighing that responsibility and understanding like, yes, this is a big responsibility, but like you said, we believe you can do it. And here are some resources to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, Especially having the alumni network, I think it will be so, um, I would be curious to see like, what industries did former presidents go into and former VPCDs? Like, is there a connection there? Like, I, I don't know. I narrowed out over stuff like that. <laughs> Well, I think that's just a great point. And that's really what we're talking about too, is that accountability. I mean, truly we are teaching our women how to hold each other accountable. You can do that 
by speaking the truth, being sincere, yeah. you can be kind. I know there's a lot of things about kind. And what is that word? Kind does not mean nice. Kind is making a decision to think about another person, to say, I see you. I hear you. I know you are capable of amazing things. How can we partner together and to do that? Mm -hmm. I think that accountability and teaching that to our women um, is important and how we can do that, not just as collegians, but as alumni members, as member of society, how do we hold each other accountable for our actions, for our words, and really, you know, our actions make a huge difference um, in every aspect of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and also with, with kind, thinking about when it comes to a sister that feels uncomfortable Mm -hmm. be in a certain situation like if there's a house that is known for uh oh they were just involved in some kind of racial fight maybe our black sister does not feel comfortable partnering with this fraternity which i know you love how can we address that and make sure that she feels comfortable there mm -hmm. like that's part of kindness you know like really empathizing with your sisters, you know, like, cause we, we bind, we, we will come together against a boyfriend or a girlfriend who has done one of our sisters wrong like that. Mm -hmm. And my hope is that eventually that same protectiveness, that same love and compassion will be afforded to our sisters of color or our lesbian sisters that might say, Hey, actually I, I, I have this issue with this person. Can you help me? Sisters, I need support. You know, that just really leads me. You had an amazing um, Instagram story following convention about allyship. So what does allyship mean to you? Just that, you know, I'm coming alongside and seeing a problem, hearing about the problem and taking action, not speaking for me as a black woman, but using your voice, using your power. I, I, I will say this time, blue in the face, white women, you have so much power. You don't need our permission. Use it. Because I mean, we've, we've seen how this pandemic started out with everyone freaking out. And I was like, oh my gosh, I learned how to make homemade banana bread. And now we're dismantling the patriarchy. <laughs> you know, so I, I want to encourage white women to use their voices. All women use their voices, but especially when you see one of your sisters of color, or if, if you have a sister who is a lesbian that experiences any kind of hatred toward her, her sexuality, if you see us freeze, I, I say it all the time, like usually if someone comes out and says something crazy to you, usually you freeze because you're not expecting it. This is supposed to be a safe space and you're probably one of only a few. So right now you don't know what to do. I would encourage sisters, when you see one of your sisters freezing, stand up and defend her. Don't back off because it's something that's about race and you don't feel comfortable with it. Like that's what I think allyship is. It, it's like when someone is tired and you give them that last cup of Gatorade so they can finish the race, coming alongside of any of your sisters that are isolated and protecting them, you know, no starting to gauge like, okay, does she have this handled? Great. If she has it handled, make sure that you show her a lot of love because if one of your sisters has to stand up for herself in a very public way against racism, 
she's going to be exhausted. Mm -hmm. She's going to not quite know what to do after that. So she might just need some ice cream or someone to take her mind off of things. But don't feel like you can't jump in. I think that um, that's one of the biggest misconceptions about allyship. We never expect you to speak for Black people. But what we can expect you to do is speak to your people. So there are things that you can say to other white folks that I can't say because there's a shield that goes up. There's a comfort level that's there when you're among people that look like you. Same for Black people, same for Asian people, right? So I would say start having the uncomfortable conversations with your family members, with your friends. Practice being uncomfortable so that if one of your sisters is in the situation, you won't shy away. You will stand up for her. And all of you together can basically peace out because you're not going to waste your time dealing with this nonsense. You know, I I mean, tryouts are amazing. And I really want to see this consistency with really um, protecting our sisters the way that we protect if we've had sisters that have experienced abuse Mm -hmm. uh, of any kind. I have, you know, in our chapter, we rallied around one of our sisters in a big way. Mm-hmm. And any, anytime she didn't feel safe, we were like, Mm-mm, you are not getting to her. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see that kind of protection if it's needed. And I think it is needed. You know, even little, little comments like racial jokes. It's not funny. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. any kind of disparaging talk about a person of color that you hear, start to call it out so that it's not left to the person of color sitting there like, do I say something? Um, how do I feel that they keep playing all of these songs with the N-word and everyone's screaming it at the top of their lungs? I don't feel safe now. Mm-hmm. Things like that. It's just an amazing point about the abuse. You know, if you saw a sister in that situation, you would say something, you would do something. But those microaggressions and those racist behavior, that is abuse. I mean, that is an abuse against your sister. And like you said, we have the ability to speak up and to say something um, and to have perfect confidence that we can do that for our sisters. And those actions truly say, I see you, I believe you, and I am here with you. Yes, that just made my heart jump because that's, That's literally all we want. I mean, honestly, Black people just want equality, (laughs) just worldwide, and especially in a a fraternal organization like Tri-Delta. We we want, I don't want anyone to ignore the fact that I'm Black. Like, yeah, celebrate it. I was made this beautiful, deep chocolate color, and I love it. And sometimes I wear an Afro, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, Don't ignore it, but also don't be afraid of it. Leave space for me to just share, especially when it comes to interracial dating. Let me tell you, that is interesting. (laughs) And especially in college, you know, it's such a time of growth. And, you know, be there for your sisters when, when and if guys say crazy things to them about interracial dating because I guarantee it's happening. Mm-hmm. I promise you. Like I I can think of like five crazy comments that young men have said to me in college and they thought they were compliments. And it was like, how do I even respond to this? And I wish I could talk to somebody about this, but nobody gets it. Okay, I'll just 
keep it to myself. <laughs> Every time we have a conversation, I just am renewed and I want to keep talking because we have so much to discuss. And that's what sisterhood is about. It's learning new things. It's opening a perspective but saying, so what's next? What's our next conversation? What's our next action that we're going to do? And so I do want to thank you. You are a gift to Tri-Delta and to our sisterhood. And we are just so fortunate for the connection and for your contribution. I know in closing, before we go that our viewers and our listeners are going to want to connect with you. So would you mind just sharing how they can find out more about you and where they can follow you? Sure. I am on Instagram, official Zakia Young. Believe it or not, there is a teenager with my name, exact same spelling. So that's why I had to put official in front of it. Uh, Z-A-K-I-Y-A-Y-O-U-N-G. I don't tweet too often. Uh, So I'd say Instagram is the best way to find me. That is fantastic. Well, again, thank you for this conversation. And thank you for being a brave, bold, and kind Tri-Delta sister. Thank you, Megan. And congratulations again. I'm I'm just so excited for all the great things you're doing with Tri-Delta. Thank you, Zakia. Thank you so much to Zakia Young and our incoming fraternity president, Megan James. I loved hearing such an honest conversation among sisters. So inspiring and so very hopeful. These types of conversations are the conversations we have to continue. So look forward to more Lead Now conversations about racism from Tri-Delta. We've created a space for members to share feedback and ideas they have as we collectively work through our Lead Now action plan. Please feel free to share your ideas and email us at inclusion at trideltaeo.org. We hope all of our members and families remain safe as we continue to enjoy our summer of sisterhood. Stay tuned for more exciting events, programs, and celebrations coming your way. You can find out more on our website, Fidelta.org. Please take a moment to like, subscribe, and rate our podcast. We love five-star ratings. And thank you for talking Fidelta with us. Join us next time. Stay safe and bring you.